The Bible reading for today is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. It is on page 690 in the Blue Bibles at the front of you. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphos, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, <coughs> and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your mouth and lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I hope as we begin this morning, your vision of God is like what we sang just now, forever glorified, forever lifted up. And if not, I hope that's the vision that you'll go home with this morning. Just a little correction, uh, my sermon topic is I saw the Lord, not I am the Lord, and hopefully we will have a clearer vision of God as we go through his word. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we come before you this morning asking you to open your word and teach us. Show us afresh. Give us a new burning vision of yourself. Awesome God, high and lifted up, worthy of all our praise, worthy of our total submission. Lord, speak through me as I stand before your people. We ask this in our precious Saviour's name. Amen. This, this passage in Isaiah would be familiar to you. One of the most glorious passages of Scripture. This is Isaiah's glorious vision of God and his commissioning, or perhaps his recommissioning. He saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up high and exalted. 
in all his glory. Not many people in the Bible have seen God. Moses got a glimpse of it at that burning bush and when he insisted on seeing God, God protected him, put him in a cliff face, asked him to cover his face and said, as I go past, you can just have a look at the back of me. The glory of God is too big, too dazzling for a human eye to withhold. That's an important question, however, we ought to ask ourselves. As a Christian, as a believer, what really is your view of God this morning? What is your vision of God this morning? <clears throat> is there a vision at all? Has he been pushed back to a little corner that is no longer in view? Is God distant? Fuzzy image of God, far away and somewhat irrelevant. Or is it something small and contained that we sort of manage to package away for our convenience so that we can access it whenever things go wrong? Or is your vision of God this morning a God in all His majesty, enthroned, high, exalted, influencing everything that you do, what you think, what you do, is part of your life. Friends, if you look at our society today, there's plenty of evidence of what happens to a generation that loses sight of the greatness of God. There's so much evidence around us as we look around. And more importantly, there's plenty of evidence this morning of what happens to a society when the church loses sight of the greatness of God. Do we this morning truly believe that we belong to an absolutely awesome God? You know, Isaiah lived in similar times to us so many thousands of years ago. It's interesting that godless people are very similar, whether they lived in Isaiah's time, Sodom and Gomorrah's time, today in the 21st century. If you just flick the page over to chapter 5, Isaiah describes the people of his time. And you'll find they're so similar to whom we see today. <clears throat> Verse 8. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in that land. People preoccupied and driven by material wealth. Adding house to house, land to land, Yet alone, alone and desolate amidst plentiful. Desperate 
in the midst of plenty. Their God is material wealth. Verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. They have harps, I don't know how you pronounce that, lyres, lyres, whatever, tambourines, flutes, more wine. These are the party animals. There were party animals three, four thousand years ago too. They just went from one party to the other, from one drunken stupor state to another. No regard, as the Bible says in that passage, for the deeds of the Lord and respect for the work of, the, work of His hands. <clears throat> Look at verse 18. Again, starting with war. Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with cart of ropes, actively seeking a life of sin. Purely evil, purely wicked. And you see in that passage, taunting God. This is how I want to live. What do you think? Verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. People who narrow the gap between good and bad. <clears throat> the politically right brigade. The far left wing brigade. Where most things are acceptable. Blatant sin is an expression of freedom. We live in a free society. Verse 21, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Pursuit of knowledge occurring at the expense of God. People who question the very existence of God. Yes, I'm clever. There's no God. Godless men, three, four thousand years ago and now, they're so similar, aren't they? God, all those years ago, had an important message for them. And I believe God has that important message today for us. He was going to deliver that important message through Isaiah. There were three things he wanted to tell those people. There was judgment to those who rejected God. There was hope and restoration for those who were willing to repent. And in the book of Isaiah, it's a great book of future hope to all mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. All those prophecies. He chose Isaiah in all those years ago, to deliver this message. But before Isaiah could take this message to the people, before God could use Isaiah, 
Isaiah needed to come to this point in Isaiah chapter 6. To see God afresh. To have this new vision of God uplifted, glorious, powerful, all-consuming. And Isaiah needed to be recommissioned. Friends, previously Isaiah knew the Lord. He was a prophet. He was a preacher. In the year King Uzziah died, the Bible tells us, he saw the Lord. Big difference. Isaiah saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The King James Version says, high and lifted up. Lifted and exalted above all thrones. All powers. All authority. A throne of glory. Before which every knee will bow one day. We must all submit. At that throne. At the same time a throne of grace. Where a wretched sinner like you and I. Can come boldly. And receive pardon and redemption. There were seraphs. Angels. Probably multitudes of them. Seraph is derived from the word burn. Probably indicating the purity of these heavenly beings. We are dross and everything impure had been burned. Leaving behind the radiance of purity. So here were seraphs burning in their love for God, endeavoring to serve and please Him. They had six wings, with two they were flying, the other four they were using to cover themselves. They covered their feet, perhaps the least honoring of their members. They covered their faces. These pure heavenly beings. Unable to bear the dazzling glory of God. They were calling to one another. Singing a heavenly song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. They were singing about one, one of God's glorious attributes, His holiness. He is holy. They repeated three times. Thrice holy. Perhaps these heavenly beings ran out of words of how to describe God's holiness. Perhaps they were referring to the three persons in the Trinity. Perhaps they were referring to that which was, which is, and is to come. Truly holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Look at verse 4. 
at the sound of their voices and the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. It was a glorious presence. It was also a powerful presence. Even all those supporting structures, doorposts and thresholds shook in the presence of God. The temple was filled with smoke. Smoke in the temple is fragrance, incense burnt in worship. Worshipping God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Isaiah saw this awesome, glorious, powerful vision of God. And it stopped him dead, right on his tracks. It absolutely froze him. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Woe to me, I am ruined. At this vision, he suddenly became aware of his own sinfulness. His own inadequacies. His own worthlessness and cried, woe to me. In Isaiah chapter 5, you would have noted in those five verses that we read, it was all woe to him or woe to them. He saw a lot of problems with others, didn't he? And not in himself. But now, in the presence of this absolutely dazzling image of God, it is woe to me. Friends, a visionless Christian is really good at seeing problems in everyone else. He probably has a big list of problems that he would love to fix in other people. A visionless husband looks at his wife as the source of all his sorrow. A visionless father probably blames his children for all his grievances. Isaiah was such a person, visionless. Woe is them, he said. He sees the Lord. And now, woe is me. Friends, a fresh vision of God often begins with a groan. Often begins with a groan like it happened in Isaiah. There's a new understanding of one's inadequacies and sinfulness. For Isaiah, it was his unclean lips. It's a real bad news for a preacher, isn't it? To have unclean lips. For a prophet to have unclean lips. Perhaps a lot of what he was saying was self-centered. Perhaps a lot of what he was saying was self-glory. Perhaps it was purely wrong. Perhaps it was blasphemous. Perhaps it was swearing. Who knows? 
when he saw the Lord, the Lord convicted him specifically of that sin. And God specifically addressed that sin. Then one of the seraphs flew to me and a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Friends, I believe that many Christians do their deepest repenting many, many, many years after their salvation. That is often a struggle. It often occurs when there is a renewal, a renewed experience with God, a new vision of God. We are all those little things that have now become big things and have been put away. Those sins are no longer tolerable. Perhaps it's pride in our lives. Perhaps it's greed. Perhaps it's jealousy. Perhaps it's born out of lust of what we see and the sensual pleasures. All those things that keeps rearing its head, ugly head from time to time, and keep us progressing in our Christian walk. Isaiah, having seen the Lord, having repented, was now ready. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Humble obedience, ready to serve and follow. As a Christian, you and I have a similar call this morning. God is asking, the harvest is plentiful, who will go for us? We have a commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? Here am I, send me. Whatever it takes. Wherever you take me. I will follow and obey. You know, Isaiah recording this vision, the, the absolute changing point in his life, started by saying that it happened in the year of King Uzziah's death. Perhaps it marks a time point, doesn't it? It happened on that year that King Uzziah died. I believe it is also a warning. You read about King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles and I think chapter 25 and 26, probably 26. He became king at the age of 16 years. King of Judah. Great king. Sought God 
and God prospered him. He had a large and well-trained army. He won many wars. He built many things. Towers, dams. Agriculture prospered under his kingdom. Then he sinned. Pride led to his downfall. He defied God's law, bypassed the priests, and went into the temple and burnt incense. The priest chased him out of there. And as this was happening, he was struck down with leprosy. He had to leave the palace and go to an outhouse. He could never again go into the temple. His son Jotham took care of the, the, the kingly duties or the regal duties. This man was just a figurehead. And he died a leper. So he saw this vision in the year where God brought down a great king. Reminder to Isaiah, reminder to all of us what can happen to a Christian who deliberately disobeys God and goes in his own way. Christians can fall and lose their witness. Many, many, many examples of that. Saved. That doesn't change. But have lost their witness. Friends, your vision of God is probably one of the most important things in your Christian life. I truly believe that. If you have a small and puny vision of God, your Christian life will reflect that. If you have an awesome, uplifted and exalted vision of God, your Christian life will reflect that. What the outside world needs to see from us as Christians today and every day is what we truly believe about God. Do we truly believe that God is absolutely awesome? And are we showing it? Let us truly seek a biblical burning vision of God. Let us ask God to open our eyes. To open our eyes so that we can see Him more clearly. Let us go to his word and ask God to open our eyes so that we can see him more clearly through his word. You know, the, the demonstration of his awesomeness is everywhere. You've been looking at me for the last 25 minutes, half an hour, and your, your retinas are probably getting tired. But there are 120 million rods and 5 million corns in each retina focusing on me. Yes, I do feel sorry for your retinas. 
And that is transferred to your brain where there are 100 billion neurons. Like 100 billion neurons, they don't all work at the same time. Can you believe it? And every minute, your five liters of blood goes through 60,000 miles of blood vessels and comes back. Two and a half times the circumference of earth. What do you think of God? God made all that. And he makes that heart beat 60 times. If you were bored, if you're a little excited, 80 times. Hopefully you were at the 80 mark this morning. If you're really excited, 100 times. I mean, we truly serve an absolutely awesome God. And you need to know that. And you need to seek that. And you need to live that. I was thinking of, you know, uh, sort of, Preparing this message yesterday, um, I was just putting together some thoughts. And Manju, being a Facebook champion, came with uh, a Facebook clip and said, listen to this. And I was absolutely blown away because that clip absolutely encapsulates all what I want to tell you this morning. So I'm going to play that. And... I normally don't do any props, but this is going to be. And let us just sit and concentrate on those words and pray along. Make it your prayer. Okay? I mean, it's quite a moving clip. And it's a little autistic boy who's blind. Okay, so hopefully it will play well. Can we have the lights down a bit? Christopher and give a little bit of a, a timeline on his life and uh, it's hard to keep my composure uh, talking about Christopher's story but he was born in May of uh, 2011 2001, 2001. <laughs> thank you you can do it better than I can I, I have to go back a few years yeah and he it, his mother was on, on drugs, oxycotton and cocaine, and uh, he's a, n a nephew of ours. And we went down to Florida and took him out of the foster care system in uh, August of 2002. And uh, he's been a blessing to our family, and uh, he, wa he loves to share his gifts. And this March, he was kind of discovered by the Union Leader and all the local media outlets in Boston, and uh, he's a uh, He's been singing a lot of patriotic songs, but to back up a few years, when in 2004, Christopher was on our, his first mission trip with Eight Days of Hope. And at four years old, he went down to the front of the, uh, the music ministry and uh, they handed him a microphone and he sang the song he's gonna sing tonight, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
So whether we're great or small, it's good and right when our eyes are captured by such a vision.